I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is Psych Hacks, Better Living Through Psychology. And the subject of today's short talk is the sexual double standard. Basically, the sexual double standard is that it is acceptable or considered a positive when men have multiple sexual partners, but that it's unacceptable or considered a negative when women have multiple sexual partners. Now, I believe that this is a real thing. It is a double standard, and it does exist in reality. And I believe that a lot of this double standard is culturally determined, but not in the way that most people think. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that using the framework of behavioral economics. It kind of goes like this. The outcome that can be accomplished through no action will always be valued less than the outcome that can only be achieved through the application of effort and skill. This is inherently true. People don't become better, stronger, richer, etc. by doing nothing. They generate value through the application of effort and skill. Reasonable enough, right? Now, let's apply this principle to the topic under consideration. If a man does nothing, he does not have sex. The average guy can sit alone at a bar day after day, week after week, month after month, and he will be approached by no one. Not complaining, because there are pros and cons to this, just stating the fact. To my knowledge, no culture in human history has ever valued male virginity. And I think it's for this reason. A man can do nothing and remain a virgin, so it can't really be celebrated. For a man to acquire a sexual partner, which is to say, for a man to be sexually selected by a woman, more effort and skill are generally required than we would like to admit, both in the short-term process of seduction and in the long-term process of mate selection. Now, compare this to the experience of a woman. How long would she be able to sit alone at a bar undisturbed? Now, I'm not saying that she'll be approached by the person she would prefer to be approached by. However, I am saying that she will likely be approached by someone sooner as opposed to later. In fact, some women are propositioned in both direct and indirect ways many times a day, every day of their lives. Surrendering to every man who would have her doesn't require as much skill and effort as, say, appropriately filtering her options and discerning the high-value men who might be the best investments of her inherently limited time and energy. And discernment is a skill that requires some degree of experience and, let's say, social savviness. Because it requires effort and skill not to believe every Tom, Dick, and Harry who crosses her path with a proposition, value is created by a woman's reticence. So the situation is reversed. For men, action is generally required to make something happen. And for women, inaction is needed to prevent the squandering of her resources. And this is especially true for people in their 20s when a lot of pairing occurs. And here's the kicker. This isn't necessarily inherent to men and women per se. Rather, it's a reflection of the observed distribution of perceived value and optionality, i.e. behavioral economics. For instance, you find the same thing is true in business. Those with no money have to hustle to get it. Those with money have to find a way to resist squandering it on everyone with a two-bit investment opportunity who comes their way. So, the sexual double standard is largely cultural, but not in the way most people think. It's not simply a superficial attitude, like a belief, that can be changed with education and awareness. 
it's deeply embedded in the rules that govern who approaches whom, who propositions whom, and who is valued for what. And these rules probably aren't changing anytime soon. Until the day arrives when it is as easy for the average man to find a willing sexual partner as it is for a woman to find the same, the sexual double standard will exist. And it will exist because of the behavioral economics of value added through effort and skill. A key that can open any lock is a good key. But a lock that any key can open is a bad lock. Those are my two cents. What do you think? I understand that this can be a sensitive subject for people, so please be respectful and tolerant in the comments section. Remember to subscribe and hit that like button for the algorithm. And if you'd like to schedule a consultation, you can reach me at psychhackspodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.